Hi, this is Greg Voison inviting you to listen to our latest Inside Personal Growth Podcast episode number 891 with author Gary Zukoff about his new book entitled Universal Human, Creating Authentic Power and the New Consciousness. This podcast number 891 is brought to you by Jeffrey Shaw, the author of a new book entitled The Self-Employed Life, Business and Personal Development Strategies that Create Sustainable Success. In this interview, we discuss the characteristics that are required to become a successful self-employed entrepreneur and the grit and determination required to maintain your success. If you're curious about what you can become, I would suggest that you listen to the podcast with Jeffrey Shaw about his new book, The Self-Employed Life. You can also learn more about Jeffrey by visiting his website at www.jeffreyshaw.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-S-H-A-W.com. And now for a featured podcast, please listen to my interview with author Gary Zukoff about his new book entitled Universal Human, Creating Authentic Power and the New Consciousness. Happy listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. And I have returning author, Gary Zukoff, joining me from Ashland, Oregon, which we were just reminiscing about Ashland and where I live and so on. And for all of those uh, who don't know Gary, the book we're going to be talking about is called Universal Human. And the subtitle is Creating Authentic Power and the New Consciousness. Um, He's also the author of Seed of the Soul. Uh, He is the author of many books. And Gary, I'm going to let our listeners know a little bit about you. Um, You can find out more about Gary by going to what I would consider to be one of the loveliest websites. If you want to see some great pictures, it's called the Seat of the Soul Institute. That's seatofthesoul.com. There you can learn more about Gary. Uh, You can learn more about Linda Francis as well, which is his uh, spiritual partner. Uh, But Gary for years uh, has been... um, taking the most complex insights in language for all of us to understand. And I just said that to him a minute ago. He meets people in the middle. Over and over, he challenges us to see the depth of our potential in the world and act on that awareness. Um, You're going to find through the course of this interview that Gary's general presence and his humor and his wisdom have inspired millions to realize their soul's greatest potential. Um, Gary's, if you want to learn more about Gary as well, you can go to Wikipedia if you really want to get to depth. But in 79, he wrote the book Dancing Wulu Master. Uh, in 1989, The Seed of the Soul. In 2000, Soul Stories. In 2007, uh, Soul to Soul, Communications from the Heart. And the latest book, Universal Human. Uh, he's a Vietnam vet, part of the U.S., Special Forces and Green Berets in Vietnam. Uh, He's won countless awards. And it's just a pleasure having you on. He also was in on the Oprah show where he sold 6 million copies of uh, his books. So, Gary, you know, in the previous best-selling books, uh, one being The Seat of the Soul, and many people have that, you called (laughs) upon the readers to align their personalities with their souls. And in this book, Universal Human, you state that our world is filled with pain and that our behaviors are driven by notions that power and security come through manipulation and control. Um, What is this new era and evolutionary path that you would like to see? You're obviously making people aware of what is available to them as universal humans to follow. What does that look like and feel like for you, Gary? I I feel that it uh, looks and feels uh, similarly to hundreds of millions of people. And that right now, there is an unprecedented epic transformation to human consciousness that's occurring. And it's about a generation old, a human generation. So it's not that old. And within another few generations everyone will be touched by this consciousness. This consciousness is an expansion of our awareness. It's not a change 
in what we think or feel. It's a change in what we can think or feel. It is unprecedented. It is, it has no, no, um, nothing to compare it with except the genesis of humankind. So that's how big this, this transformation is. And as you acquire this new consciousness, which you don't have to do anything to acquire, it's a gift from the universe. But as you acquire it, you begin to have multi-sensory perceptions. So we use that term because the five senses together form a single system whose object of detection is physical reality. Mm -hmm. Now we've got another system, and that makes us multi-sensory. So uh, you'll be familiar with much of this, or perhaps all of it, Greg, but if you've ever had a thought that you're more than a mind and a body, that's a multi-sensory perception. If you've ever had the uh, hunch or the impulse that the world is not random, that it's not just a place where you have good luck or bad luck, but that it's wise and you can learn about yourself from the world, that's a multi-sensory perception. Uh, if you've ever looked at the sky at night and had the thought that the universe isn't cold, inert, which means dead, merciless, but that it's alive mm-hmm. and it's wise and it's compassionate. That is a multi-sensory perception. And there's lots more, lots and lots more. And I think I think it's important too, Gary, to mention that um <clears throat> Through my countless 900 interviews, I talk a lot about spirituality, and um, I go back to an interview with Ram Dass. Now, there couldn't be anybody that probably experimented more with drugs to have an altered state of consciousness or uh, people who do ayahuasca. But you're letting people know that, you know, this out of body, this sensory sensory experience beyond the five senses is available to anybody right now, available without anything, it's there. Yeah? It is there, but it's not. By the way, Ram Das became a dear friend of ours in the last years of his life. Mm-hmm. It turned out that we were both on Maui together. Linda and I, that's my spiritual partner, Linda Francis, would go there because we have some connection with that little island that I don't understand, and we have for 30 years. And we met Ram Dust, and uh, uh, he was a delight to me. He's, I just, he's I, I, was wonderful. I mean, even after the stroke, it was a, a challenge to kind of get the words, but when he got the words... They were so meaningful. You listened on the edge of your seat to understand um, what he was speaking about. The only reason I brought that up, Gary, is because, you know, we live in this fast paced world today, which you see what appears to be zooming by. Uh, You and I are closer to our finitude than a lot of people. In other words, as you age, you also get to look at the death experience and you get to choose whether it's fear because you talk a lot about fear um, and not to approach this with fear and not to look at this multi-sensory experience as an opportunity to move beyond fear. Correct? Yes. Uh, but I would add a few things to that. Okay. I talk more about love than I talk about fear. And okay. you can't talk about one without talking about the other because this in the earth school, put it that way, that span of time between your birthday and your death day is a domain of time and space and matter and duality. And the fundamental duality in the earth school is love and fear. The opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, well, but that. illusion, you know, our illusion too, because you speak about that as well in the Buddhist tradition, uh, it's the Maya. Uh, and the reality is we are actors on the stage of a play. And and you say in the book, you mentioned people experience emotional pain when they cannot have something they feel they need or cannot live without. 
this is true. That is a true statement. You then state they try to change the world and this brings more pain. Um, What needs to shift in the consciousness of the individual to be at peace and bliss so that they don't experience so much emotional pain? Because that pain is being uh, exacerbated by that desire that you just spoke about trying to get something they can't have. Um, So I'd love for you to speak about that and expound upon it from your perspective. Sure. I'd I'd like to clear up something, though. Multisensory perception isn't uh, necessarily an out-of-body experience, and it's not a psychedelic experience that you would uh, associate with uh, any kind of psychotropic agent, whether it's chemical or plant-based. But it is an expansion of your perception. You see the world with your physical eyes, you hear it, you have your five senses, but it's more meaningful, it's deeper, it takes on a meaning. Uh, It's as though you're watching a black and white movie that's becoming a movie in color as you watch it. Now, when it, so uh, expect and you will experience it, whether you expect it or not, as the new consciousness touches you, you will begin to experience a new depth to uh, your experience. Some people are, um, are are delighted by it. Some are a little confused by it. Some are frightened by it. But it's happening to us. Now, when we talk about fear uh, and love, where we're going is love. Mm-hmm. This is what Ram Das and many others talked about. He's talked specifically about loving awareness. He was a meditator and his tradition was Indian. But this new awareness is taking us beyond traditions, beyond culture, beyond nation, beyond religions, beyond ethnic groups, beyond gender. Right now, we are in the midst of the most remarkable transition in human consciousness and evolution that humans have ever experienced. The transition from five-sensory perception, which means that the world is all, all that you can see of the world is five senses. Or put another way, the five senses show you everything there is to see and experience. And the understanding of power has the ability to manipulate and control. All of that is the old consciousness. The new consciousness is multi-sensory perception and the understanding and experience of power as alignment of the personality with the soul, the alignment of your personality with your soul. And your soul is not a hypothetical or theological thing. It is a real presence. It It, it is the essence of who you are. Mm-hmm. And it is real, and it has intentions, and those intentions are harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. And as you begin to align your personality, yourself, with your soul, you begin to acquire authentic power. You begin to create it. And it's not like multisensory perception, a gift that is given to everyone. Multisensory perception brings with it the new potential of a new power, authentic power. And this new potential is our now evolutionary modality. It's not a spiritual luxury. It's required for our evolution. In other words, you can say this in so many ways. Evolution is now becoming conscious. That's one way to say it. Our evolution now requires not survival, but spiritual growth. I would agree with you. Our our evolution requires us to become loving. And all of us have frightened and loving parts of our personalities. And authentic power is becoming aware within yourself of the difference between love and fear and choosing love no matter what is happening inside of you like rage, like jealousy, like vengeance 
or what is happening outside of you, like another 9-11 event, or a global pandemic, and choosing love, no matter what. As well, you that's do, a, that's, that's a that's a great way to kind of put a wrapper around what we're talking about. And I think that, you know, whether you're looking at it from a spiritual side, a neurological side, a psychological side, the reality is, is that fundamentally, we have been able to advance our understanding of what's happening to us from a scientific with because of uh, neurobiology uh, and neurology to see what's going on in the brain. And what you're talking about is something outside of that. And that connection, whether you're using intuition or using something to get in touch with that. Now you, you do speak about in the book, the great change, you call it the great change, which we've just talked about and that it is upon us and that it's absolute uh, world is disintegrating. We're seeing this world, lots of things fall apart, monetary systems, Bitcoin, you name it, whatever the listeners are out there, we're seeing things being challenged and we're seeing things shift. And our five senses no longer limit our experiences, is what you said in the book, that we are in a new dawn. And I say, yes, we are. And thank goodness we are. Um, How is the new level of consciousness going to change our human species and our new creation story, in your estimation? Big question. Well, uh, I'd like to share with all of our listeners and and with you, Greg, that uh, I don't ask that you uh, take anything that I say as, as so, simply because I say it. And in fact, I suggest to all of our listeners and viewers that you not take as so or as true anything that anyone says, simply because they've written a book or they have a television show or a podium or uh, a congregation. For me, if you resonate with anything that I say, I suggest that you experiment with it and see if it works for you. And if it does, experiment some more. And if it doesn't, let it go. Don't try to wear a shoe that doesn't fit. So it's in that context that I love talking about the new consciousness and the new understanding of power as authentic, as alignment of your personality with your soul and how to create it. Because it doesn't just happen. And our world isn't going to just shift because we have a new consciousness. It'll shift because we change, because we shift. And everything that I and my spiritual partner, Linda Francis, uh, uh, share is about how to create authentic power, how to develop emotional awareness, how to use what you learn through becoming emotionally aware, and how to make responsible choices. A responsible choice is a choice that creates consequences for which you are willing to assume responsibility. All of that is movement toward love. You might look, the the way I'm expressing love, and by the way, there are so many forms of fear, like uh, anger, jealousy, vengeance, superiority and entitlement, uh, inferiority and needing to please, every obsession and compulsion and addiction. In the same way, there are so many forms of love, gratitude, appreciation, caring, uh, patience, contentment, compassion, compassion, (laughs) all of the universe. Mm -hmm. And creating authentic power requires distinguishing between those parts of yourself that are loving or love-based and those parts of your personality that are fear-based or frightened and mm-hmm. choosing while you are experiencing a frightened part, like anger or jealousy, and it's very gripping. And it seems as though the whole world is the way this part of your personality presents it to you, and you experience it that way. But while you are experiencing that, with your volition, your own free will, 
you reach for the healthiest part of your personality that you can access and act from that instead of from the anger or the jealousy or the resentment or the superiority. That is how you create authentic power, by doing it again and again and again. And eventually, as you do, the frightened parts of your personality uh, begin to lose their control over you. They still come. You still feel the painful physical sensations of fear in different areas of your body, chakras in the East. And they throb or ache or churn, burn, stab, compress. They're, they're really painful. And while you're experiencing those things, set the intention not to act on them, but mm-hmm. to respond in the best way that you can in the moment with love. That is now required for our evolution. This doesn't mean that we're going to evolve. It means it's required for our evolution. And that's what I mean when I say our evolution has become conscious. And it's happening in us. It's happening, and I say now to our listeners and viewers, it's happening in you. Yes, it is. And I, and I think, Gary, um, one of the things that I might add to this is the fact that there is a level of discernment. You know, I think people hear this term psychologically, the ego, and then they hear this term soul. Um, and for many, there's a disconnection there because uh, for a lot of people with five sensory, uh, there is still a lot of that element of that. If you you might refer to it as something else, but I'm just going to call it ego as identifier. Um, because it's the thing that makes us small. It can make us small uh, if we listen to it enough. Um, it can tell us we're not right. We're not enough. Um, and we know that. Yet, on the other hand, when we listen to the small voice inside, call it again, of the soul, the seed of the soul, that's the empowering one. And when that's an alignment, as you're saying, that gives us true power. Now, you mentioned in the book, in this chapter, Outside the Fences. I love the title. You state, we are personalities and souls, and we have a dual identity, just what I was talking about. Speak with us about the dual identity and living outside the fences as you refer to it. Sure, sure. Um, A child grows because and finds itself in an environment like a backyard with a fence around it because its experiences are limited. And within that confinement, it explores all that it can. It's got a play box, a sandbox. It's got a little swing. It's got a little shovel and it digs up plants and it gets dirty. and And as it develops, it eventually leaves that confined area behind. In that area, if sand, here's an, an example from the from universal human among thousands probably. If sand falls from its sandbox, that can be a traumatic experience for a child in the backyard. Even if on the other side of the fence there's a beach. Like we talked about living in Southern California, where that happens sometimes. Well, as we become multi-sensory, we go into a larger, we enter a larger learning environment. We move beyond the fences. Not fences, plural, but fence. The fence that confined us in our early stages of development is five-sensory perception. We could not recognize it as the defining characteristic of our species while we were confined by it. Now we are moving beyond that. That is the new consciousness. That is multi-sensory perception. That is a, that is a great analogy of using the fence uh, and the child in the backyard because all of us have been there and all of us realize the limitation of the world in which we lived until we expanded the boundary. 
And I think what you're saying is that it's limitless. There really aren't fences. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about authentic power, Gary, and you say authentic power is different. You say that knowing how to create it is like owning a treasure map. That's quote unquote you. Um, how do we create authentic power in our lives? And what, probably more importantly, and my listeners will want to know, are what are the tools for creating authentic power? You were a guy who rode motorcycles. You were in the Green Berets. And you know, when you get a toolbox, you got to pick the right tool if you're going to change the tire. Uh, what are some of the tools for creating authentic power in the world today in which we live, which has shifted consciously so much? Um, emotional awareness and responsible choice. I'll be glad to talk about them some more because they're so fundamental. And um, in the old consciousness, emotions are not important. In fact, they're generally considered obstacles, especially painful emotions. In the new consciousness, emotions are very important. They're very important. You might call them messages from the soul. They tell you when fear is active in you and when love is active in you. When fear is active in you, you experience painful physical sensations in certain areas of your body, such as your throat and your chest and your solar plexus areas, among others. Those are the painful physical sensations that I mention. To say I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm up or I'm down or I'm buoyant or depressed, those are not. That's emotional illiteracy. To become emotionally literate, you need to be able to put your attention inside these areas of your body and see what physical sensations are present. I'm emphasizing the word physical because a painful, a a frightened part of your personality can be as painful as hitting your hammer, your, your, your thumb with a hammer, or getting your fingers caught in a car door. Heartache is not poetic. It's a real thing, and it's very painful. When you look inside yourself and you find any of these sensations in any of your energy processing centers, which, as I mentioned, in the East would be called chakras. You know that fear is active in you. And a lot of people are not aware of what they're feeling. And therefore, they're, therefore, they're in fear. Fear can happen unconsciously and does continually. Love does not. You can't accidentally experience love. You can't unconsciously create love. It has to be done. Love is intentional. This doesn't mean that when you experience love, it's effortless. It's not intentional. Look at love as... I read about the great sculptor Michelangelo once. Michelangelo, for those of you who don't know, was one of the greatest sculptors of all time. He lived in Renaissance Italy. And I was in Florence once, Firenze, Italia, and I saw a 17-foot-high sculpture of David, as in David and Goliath. In Italian and in French, it's called the David. Greg, I could not believe I was looking at marble. It was so soft, visually soft, so sensual, so real, so absolutely human. That's what Michelangelo could do. And I heard a story once that he was asked, how did you do that? And he said, I saw it. I saw it in the block of marble. And I removed everything that prevented Say, David, your love is like that. It's there. And as you create authentic power, 
you start removing pieces of marble, pieces of fear that prevent you as well as others from experiencing your love. That's the creation of authentic power. Every time you set an intention to speak or act with love instead of with fear, you chip away a piece of marble. By the way, an intention, an intention is so important. I said that emotions are very important, and they are, they're fundamental to creating authentic power. But intentions are the most primary of all. An intention is a quality of consciousness. Let me ask you a question about in- intention then, because I have one. Um, most people are unaware of their intentions, you stated, and for most of the time. Uh, their lives, you mentioned in the books, are robotically repetitive. Agreed? Um You mentioned that the best way to become aware of what we're doing to ourselves is to examine the belief system. And again, uh, one more element of chipping away, like you just talked about with Michelangelo, it would be the belief systems or the shifts. We're going to get, we're going to remove those beliefs that don't serve us. How would you advise the listeners to become more aware of these beliefs and shift the ones, uh, shift them or get rid of them, the ones that are not serving them. Well, to, to start, I want to go back to something you mentioned, uh, as we're, some of us are five sensory and some of us are multi-sensory. At the moment, more humans are five sensory than multi-sensory because this remarkable transformation in our consciousness, fast as it is, is still extending over a few generations. And remember that the old consciousness emerged over hundreds of thousands of years, about 300,000 years. If you go back to the emergence of Homo sapiens, if you go back to the emergence of hominoids, it goes back two and a half million years. And in comparison to that, I'm talking about a transformation of consciousness of equal immensity happening within three human generations. That's faster than a heartbeat, faster than an eye blink when compared to our former experiences of evolutionary time. So at this moment, we're living in a time of transition, unlike any that's ever existed before. We stand with one foot in the old consciousness and one foot in the new. And we are presented with a requirement of choosing at each moment which we shall choose. Say someone makes you angry or jealous or resentful. Will you react? Will you act with fear? Or will you respond with love? Will you let your deeds and your words be shaped by the old consciousness? or by the new. So, uh, belief systems are important, quite important. But the first step is emotional awareness. Because without emotional awareness, you cannot know when fear is present in you and when love is active in you. And the importance of that is knowing that fear is active in you tells you that if you act or speak from that energy, you will create painful and destructive consequences for yourself. The pursuit of external power now produces only violence and destruction. Can I ask ask you a question, Gary? Uh, Most of my listeners have been uh, very well aware of the decisiveness that's been happening in our world as a result of COVID as a result of our political system, as a result of many external factors, which seems to have bifurcated much of the situation. And when you're saying we have a choice to come from love or come from fear, it it would seem if you were to watch the evening news, which you probably don't, but a lot of people do, that there's still a ton of five sensories and they are coming from fear. What comment would you uh, 
give our listening audience about this because many of them are spiritually consciously aware. Uh, and you, like you just said, you have a choice. You have one foot in each side. It seems to be pretty easy to be drug over into that side. I'm against something. I'm not for something. Or you following what I'm saying? Um, but this seems to pervade as a result of some external factors which have exacerbated, and now we see what seems to be no coming together. This is not new, Greg. This is human history you're describing. Yes. It's not the recent political situation in the United States or Germany or Brazil. It is not. the fragmentation of our wholeness as human as humans. There's we've always been fragmented into haves and have nots, those who are healthy and those who are ill, those who are of one color, those who are of another. The list is endless. This is the history that five century humans have created for themselves. It's it's based on conflict. Now, what used to be our good medicine, external power, is poisonous. It's toxic. It used to be that we as a five-century species evolved by surviving and survived by pursuing external power. Now, we are becoming a multi-century species and we evolve by growing spiritually, and we grow spiritually by creating authentic power. It's a new terrain, and most of the people in it are still five-sensory. Our being multi-sensory does not make us superior or advantaged. Uh, Advantaged, yes, because our evolution can be accelerated considerably. Our spiritual growth, (coughs) pardon me, can be accelerated considerably. But we are not superior to what we have been in the past. We are not superior to those who are still five-sensory. We are all in the earth school together. We are souls incarnate in this domain of the five senses. But within that domain, those of us who are being touched by multisensory perception, realize that domain is not the entirety of our existence or of the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's an important point. And um, you, you have a chapter in the book and you call it the new use of courage. Um, I loved this chapter is by the way, and, and you tell the story about your experiences of being in the special forces in Vietnam and the courage it took you to jump out into the dark of night in the jungles of Vietnam from a C-130. You then mentioned that you never imagined how much courage entering your life consciously would require. I want to repeat that. How much courage entering your life consciously would require. Tell us a bit about the fears and the courage it took as you started living your life way back then to wade, you know, if you look at your life, you're 78 years old, right? So, you know, you've had a a long period like I have had to experiment to get to what your term is, this universal human, which are more consciously aware. Um, what, what do you, I mean, just from you, Gary Zukov, the guy that writes all the books, not everybody else out here has written books about this, probably want to see how Gary faced it. Of course. One of the things that I would bring out is is that when you begin to see with multisensory perception, the distinction between in here and out there becomes blurry. And that you begin to realize that The love and fear in the world is the same love and fear in you. So in order to change the world, 
you've got to change yourself. In other words, the world that we have inherited from a five-sensory humanity is a world of external power. Symbols of external power are everywhere. Uniforms, weapons, money, corner offices on high floors. Now we are in a different terrain. And in that terrain, we encounter experiences that the intellect cannot comprehend, cannot grasp, but a new way of communicating and understanding is emerging with the new consciousness. This is a higher order of logics and understandings of the heart. There, things that were uh, contradictions to the intellect are not contradictions to the heart. The intellect is a companion to the five senses. They go together just like this. The intellect analyzes, explores, compares, and concludes and deduces what the five senses presented in terms of what is helpful in creating, in pursuing external power. The higher order logics and understandings of the heart are not compatible with the intellect. The intellect was not designed to grasp them, and it cannot. Its object of detection, the object of detection of five sensory perception is physical reality. Right. And the intellect examines it and points out to the personality what it can control and manipulate in order to survive. Now we are multi-sensory, Greg. Not all of us, some of us. But a new consciousness is here. And the old consciousness is dying. The new consciousness is vibrant, life-affirming, life-giving, life-nurturing. The old consciousness is rigid, It's demanding. It's toxic. And it is destructive. This is the enormity of where we are now. Which shall we choose? Multisensory perception does not make us um, more beneficent or more wise. It makes us more aware. Then the question becomes, what shall we do with our awareness? And what I am suggesting is that what you do with your awareness, which means what shall you do with your life? What shall you do with this temporary experience you have between your death day, your birthday and your death day? That the best thing you can do is to create authentic power, is to align your personality with your soul, is to move beyond the limitations of everything that prevents you from giving the gifts that you were born to give, everything that prevents you from a life of meaning and fulfillment and joy and contentment and vitality and creativity. Do that now. Most people uh, wait until their lives become so painful that something in their lives brings them to their knees. Mm -hmm. And that's when they open to a spiritual alternative. I'm suggesting that you not wait that long. Why not start now? Right. Well, Gary, if you go back to the many books you've written and you look at the impetus um, for your curiosity to want to understand more about this, and I think this might be an interesting question for you and for our listeners to understand because of the preceding books and the evolution of Gary Zukov as a soul and this constant curiosity to write books around this topic, around, through, and in this topic. Um, Was there anything particular? I know you went 
to the laboratories, you work with physicists, uh, you look at all the things that you did, you jumped out of planes, you rode motorcycles, you were addicted to sex when you were down in uh, in San Francisco. You had all these life experiences. Was there any one life experience, any one big transformation for you that created this insatiable appetite uh, and curiosity to want to continue to explore uh, this topic so others could have clarity in their life about what it is. Well, Greg, it's uh, uh, for me, there was no single turning point. There were multiple turning points. Okay. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say insatiable appetite exactly, uh, I would say it's more like a, a flower naturally turns toward the sun. Okay. And none of my understanding or insights came from books. The books came from the understandings and the insights, and they came from the universe. That's why I suggest that you not take anything that I say is true, but experiment with it. Experiment with it yourself. Uh, because creating authentic power is now required for our evolution, I'm suggesting. And uh, creating authentic power is becoming the authority in your own life. Mm -hmm. And I love writing these books, and I love having these conversations like we're having now. And the more I do, the more my life is transformed from one of using people to loving them. It's a big change. My adopted Sioux uncle once told me, Toshka, nephew, said the longest journey you're going to make in your life is from here to here. Okay. Head to your heart. Yeah. From my thoughts to my heart. And and uh, I've been on that journey for a while. And yeah. for me, it's made all the difference. All the difference. What a surprise it is to find out that I love people and that I want to support them, and it gives me joy. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is what happens when a frightened part of your personality gets what it wants. For example, gets the girlfriend, gets the boyfriend, makes a million dollars before it's 28. But happiness is dependent on the external world. You get the girlfriend, but then when she decides to leave, you free fall into fear again. Right. It's like taking a ride on a roller coaster at the top and then plunging down into, into fear again. Joy is not dependent on the external world. Joy is what you ignite in yourself as you create authentic power. And sometimes it's like a little flame in a large cathedral and you have to be aware to keep it alive. But joy, when it grow, joy grows when you cultivate it. And as you cultivate it, the frightened parts of your personality have less control over you. Yes. Than they had in the past. You still feel them. You still feel their painful physical sensations. You still think they're judgmental thoughts, but they don't control you as much. They don't penetrate as they did before. They roll off of you more like water rolls off the feathers of a duck. And you begin to expand into more loving perceptions. Well, it gives you a freedom um, that, and maybe freedom isn't the right word, but I'm going to say spiritual freedom. Uh, a freedom, as you've said, this is about spiritual growth, and it is and you state in the book again that being a universal human is a step beyond an authenticity or authentically powered human. You said a universal human identifies with life, underscore life. So in your estimation, what is the experience of becoming a universal human, which we've been talking about, and living our lives as evolved <laughs> and consciously aware souls? I can't answer that in detail, and no one can. Universal human is a third stage 
in the evolutionary process that we are involved in now. The first stage was five sensory perception. We all know that. The second stage is multi-sensory perception. And hundreds of millions of us are beginning to experience that. A five-sensory human identifies with personality, his or her personality. I'm Gary Zukov. You're Craig Varson. You were born at a certain time and you'll die at a certain time. A multi-sensory human knows that birth is not a random event and death is not final. It's the return home of the soul to non-physical reality. The identity of a multi-sensory human is soul. So we are in this transition now from five-sensory to multi-sensory. Yet so rapid is our acceleration that even in this process, a third stage in human evolution is now becoming mm, not visible, not touchable, not understandable, but there. Uh, If you've ever been up all night to see the dawn, as I have, you'll, you, 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 you'll, you will experience this time before any light is visible in the sky. You can feel the dawn coming. You know it's coming. And then past that point, a little bit of light becomes detectable to your eyes. But you could feel it before it happened. That's a new dawn, a different dawn. That is the un- the potential of the universal human. A, so great, are- a great way for people to understand at it, at that example of the new dawn the light that you could see, the experience from darkness to light. Um, you know, in duality, you can't have one without the other. Um, and I think that's a great example. And and you say in this book, um, you said that the book, it it's all about a book with universal Hermans and ends with heart, begins with heart, and heart fills all the spaces in between. That our experiences are no longer determined by circumstances that are external. What would you like to leave these listeners with today about their role in this human evolution of consciousness or becoming more evolved, multi-sensory um, individuals in the role they're playing to help evolve themselves, the people around them, and the people within this universe, as it is we're sitting on a globe with 7 billion plus people. Um, I always remember Bucky Fuller because I wrote a chapter in a book that a guy wrote about Bucky Fuller. And he always said, Gary, and you probably heard this one of all people, seek to leave the people so that they understand, not misunderstand. Something to that effect. I may be misunderquoting it. And what I'm saying here is if we're going to leave these listeners with something, what would you like for them to understand and not misunderstand? You are a world changer. Your decisions your choices of intention, love, or fear create consequences far beyond what you can imagine. This becomes largely visible as we become multisensory. Use it. Use your life. Consciously, And as you use it consciously, to the best of your ability, use it wisely. What is the wise use of a life? The wise use of a life 
is also the use that gives you the most fulfillment and joy. It's love. It's caring about other people. It's recognizing them not as others, but beginning to experience them as not separate from you, not in a mushy, fuzzy, psychedelic, or blurred way. So I would say, don't try to understand. The world is no longer going to be shaped by great thinkers, but by great feelers. And you are one, but you may not know it yet. Most people don't, and they're quite frightened of it. They're quite frightened of the pain, of fear, of anger, of jealousy, of resentment, of need. But you cannot become aware of the love in you, of the care, the patience, the contentment, the joy, without becoming aware of everything in you. And the thing that most people become aware of first as they become multi-sensory is fear, because that's what fills most people. Mm-hmm. So, follow your heart. Uh, don't try to follow the fake God of your mind. Follow your heart, the real God. That's where your fulfillment, contentment, vitality, meaning, purpose, joy, all of those things that make life magnificent. Your life is magnificent. It doesn't matter how much it hurts in the moment. When I say it doesn't matter, it means it doesn't diminish the power of who you are. But the pain in your life is the distance between the reality of who you are, which is a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit, and your self-identity. And as you create authentic power, you begin to close the distance between that reality and who you experience yourself as. This is the alignment of your personality with your soul. It's what you were born to do. The seat of the soul, one of my books, goes into that in wonderful ways. And Universal Human, the book that you're holding, goes into it and more in other ways. And I recommend them both. And I hope that you'll come and and leave a message for me on our website. It's named after the first book, Seat of the Soul. Like what you sit on, S-E-A-T of the S-O-U-L. I'd love to hear from you. And Gary, thank you so much. It's been an honor having you on and a blessing. And I want to say... Namaste to you. Um, I see the energy which you're emitting and feel it, uh, the true genuineness and authenticity of what's been written and the years it took you uh, to, I'm going to use the word concatenate, uh, because there was a lot of concatenating of your thoughts, your understandings, your wisdom, a knowledge that went into this book, I could tell it right when I picked it up and I felt it and I felt it. And I think the most important thing is for our listeners, whether it's they go to your website or they buy Seed of the Soul and start there, some of the many other books they have, it doesn't matter. What Gary is is saying in essence here is that it's within you if you listen to your heart. Uh, you can do this without reading this book. You don't have to read this book. Um, it's been bestowed upon all of us as a universal right. Mm-hmm. It's a universal right for us all to access this. This is universal human, but we all have the ability to access what Gary's talking about. So, uh, Gary, thank you. Thank you again. Um, blessings to you. Much gratitude to you um, and Linda for working on this and putting it together. Uh, And for all of my listeners, go to Seat of the Soul, uh, S-E-A-T-O-F-V-T-G-S-O-U-L. There you can learn more about Gary. You can learn more about what he's doing. Obviously, we're going to have a link to Amazon 
to purchase a copy of this book. And we'll also put links to the other books as well. Um, so you can kind of look at the series. Gary, thanks again. Appreciate it, my friend. It's been way too long in between. Um, <laughs> but you know what? We just keep trucking on. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. It's it's really been a joy to be on your on your podcast and and I I send my love to everyone who's listening to us. Thank you, Gary.